BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Shanae Alexander, host of Press Send, a podcast and more importantly, a safe and hilarious place for candid conversations about the scary, funny, heartbreaking, but always intriguing questions that make us all human. Each week, me and a new best friend you haven't met yet field your questions across any and all topics and offer our take on the matter with plenty of humor, heart, and badassery along the way. We launch a new episode of Press Send every Wednesday. We'll see you there. Welcome to Real Pod. It's your host, Victoria Garrick, and this is the podcast where we hold nothing back. Oh, so we're getting deep, huh? I really cried for 12 days straight. Why do I want to be perfect? There's nothing in my life that is perfect. Every week, I'll bring you honest, unfiltered, and eye-opening conversations to help uncover the real in all of us. I crave the type of content that you're talking about. I actually felt insecure. Oh my God, am I going to cry? Let me just unload everything. (laughs) (laughs) New episodes every Wednesday. Leave those filters at the door because it's time to get real. When I tell you guys that today's episode is really the epitome of this podcast, yes, I know I'm setting the bar really high. Actually, I shouldn't I shouldn't do that because then the expectations are high. Okay, I'm going to stop doing that. But anyways, I loved this episode and this is what Real Pod is all about. Today's guest is Lauren Elizabeth. She has been in this industry for 10 years. I remember watching her YouTube videos when I was a kid. She has a blog and website where she writes about fashion and beauty. She literally was posting on Instagram before posting on Instagram and being the influencer term was even coined. Today, she is still grinding away. She's got a podcast called Mood. I was just on it last week, so give that a listen. And now her message really centers around mental health, wellness, lifestyle, and fashion. I had actually never spoken to Lauren prior to our conversation today and on our podcasts. And I just had the most freaking lovely time. Okay, once again, I got to stop, stop hyping it up, but I hope you guys really enjoy this as much as I did. Before we get started, quick shout out to Savannah. Hey, Savannah. Hey, girl. Hope you're doing great. Thank you for your five-star review last week that said, the most recent episode was stellar. Thanks for your poignant questions, vulnerability, and for sharing this episode. And Savannah's comment was in reference to the Janine Roth episode during National Eating Disorder Awareness Week. So if you guys haven't listened to that, definitely check it out. I also agree it was stellar. That conversation just totally opened my eyes. Thank you so much for listening. And thanks to each and every one of you tuning in today. It means the world that you take the time out of your life to spend it here with us at RealPod. If you want to let me know what you're thinking, what you're feeling, 
If you're enjoying the show, head over to iTunes where you can leave a review and you can also rate the show on both Spotify and iTunes. And it really helps us out. So if you're open and willing to take the time, we so appreciate it. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You get that download every single Wednesday. And without further ado, let's dive into this episode with OG content queen, Lauren Elizabeth. Lauren Elizabeth, welcome to Real Pod. How are we doing today? It is an honor and privilege to be here, honestly. And we're doing great because we just recorded you on my podcast and now I no longer have to host and I just get to sit on your podcast. <laughs> I know. It's like, honestly, there's pros and cons to both jobs. If you're getting interviewed, you just get to kind of like sit back. However, on this show though, it's it's almost like more of an emotional interrogation. So I'm a little scared. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> No, you don't have to be scared. You don't have to be scared. Anyways, what's your biggest fear? <laughs> I was like, the first thing that came to mind was spiders and I'm literally not afraid of them at all. That's how bad I am at answering questions on the spot because it was just a full lie that came shooting through my brain. So you're not even afraid of them? No, like if someone's like, oh my God, a spider. I just like grab a towel and I just like go get it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was your biggest fear. I love that. That's so funny you say that. I was talking with some friends the other day about how Sometimes I'll just like say things that aren't really true. And then I'm like, why did I say that? It's just like, sometimes you just don't want to like leave air in the conversation. You'd rather just keep talking. And all of a sudden you realize you're fully lying and it's so bad. It's too late to backtrack. Well, I will kick us off with not as intense of a question, but I think a good one, a good Kickstarter. What emotions are we feeling today? Because one time I was in therapy and my therapist said, how are you? And I said, good. And she said, good's not a feeling. And I was Ugh. like, whoa. Yeah. I mean, I have learned a lot through my therapist as well, as I'm sure you can attest to. And how I'm feeling today, I think, luckily, I'm actually feeling pretty stable I, I don't know if that is kind of in the same box as good, to be completely honest. But, you know, obviously I do talk about moods a lot and I haven't quite figured out my best mood of the week yet, which is something I do at least once a week. But I definitely know that I've been very, very anxious lately and very, very in more of one of my depressive cycles. And so I think that when I have a day like today where I have enough things going on, that are both like good for my mental health, good for my career purpose and stuff that I'm at least kind of not as like down in the dumps. What am I doing? I feel that like pit in my stomach. I definitely have like a little bit of underlying anxiety, but I think it's like, I know I have therapy after this and then I know I have a workout class and then I know it's going to be like late enough to just like watch TV and go to bed. So like, sorry to your therapist, but I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> therapy after this. <laughs> Lauren, this is the therapy. No, I know. That's why I was like, oh my God. Sometimes I don't know if you do this, but I think about like what I'm going to say to my therapist, like oh, almost all week percent. before yeah. like the session. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, I'm recording like two podcasts today before therapy. I'm probably going to like go on a totally different 
tangent with her this afternoon than I would have if it was like this morning, but that's okay. I so relate to that. I always have like a notes page in my phone so I don't forget things. And then I'm like, oh, 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 yes, I hate this person. No, <laughs> when I'm forgetting, <laughs> I have the notes. I have the notes as, as well. And that was the best thing about the pandemic is like I started being able to type on my phone while she is on because I do it on the phone. So she wouldn't be able to see that I was like, not that I can't take notes in therapy, but it was just like second nature being on the phone already. And so now I get to like write down things she says, and it helps for a better podcast and better week. Isn't it so funny how a therapist will be like, oh, you're doing this to cope with X, Y, Z. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to write this down because I will literally forget. And it's me. I have the problem. In 30 seconds, it's like almost like we are the ones paying the big bucks. And sometimes it is just in one ear out the other. (laughs) My favorite thing my therapist now does, it's her new little shtick is she goes, you know, don't take this the wrong way. Or you might, you know, I not like that I say this because she's been my therapist for like five years. She'll be like, I have a feeling this was because I don't know, you were abandoned as a child, LOL. And I'm like, oh, Rebecca. Okay, fine. You're right. <laughs> is that true? Is that an example? Or she says you were abandoned I as mean, a child? I mean, it's like not as like dramatic as that, but yes, I've been through two divorces through my mom. And so my first father figure left when I was like, this is like how much you like black out things of your memory. I think like four years old, two years old, four years old, something around that. But it was like something where as I was growing up, I just like shoved it like right away, you know? And so I remember even being the kid in high school when someone was like, my parents are getting divorced. I was like, wah, wah, boo, hoo, like grow up. But that was like, clearly like I, bitchiness was one of my coping mechanisms in high school because that's how I spoke to myself obviously. And so now within the past five years of therapy, she's like, you realize that all of this is because of your childhood. And I was like, oh, that's so annoying. Like really? Like I thought I didn't care, but apparently I do. So what is it like to unpack that now as an adult? Because I resonate and a lot of people do with this, like compartmentalizing, putting it in a box, how I felt when I was four or five, but now it really does manifest itself in all the other areas of your life. I think it's two parts. I think the first one is just like the kind of not having a father figure as a whole thing. The realization hits you so much different. I heard someone else saying this on a podcast the other day and I was like, oh my God, that's exactly what I've said to my friends is it hits you so much different as an adult because you're finally at that age where like your friends are getting married or you're getting married and people are having children, even like let's say my best friend's sister, she was a senior when we were were a freshman and, you know, she has a kid and I just can't imagine her husband bailing and like leaving at the age of two or like my guy friends that are like, you know, cause my parents had me very young. My mom was like 22. And so like then being those ages and like being in that thing, it just becomes so much more real as an adult of realizing the adult brain's decision to like do the things that happened to me as a child. But then the unpacking part of it, it's definitely so hard because you've shoved it so far down for so long and you've put so many different things in different boxes that like, it's so obviously scary to want to unpack them. But, you know, I think a lot of people think that like, right when you start therapy, it's like, we didn't talk about my, my dad, daddy issues for lack of a better term till two years in with my therapist, just because, you know, people are so afraid to like go into those like dark places. And I think that it's just like what you're dealing with as an adult, like it'll come out naturally. And so it's not as scary, but it's definitely something that 
I don't like go into every session being like, oh, let's talk about my daddy issues. It's like, sometimes it has to do with something and sometimes it doesn't. So it's probably still me avoiding it to be completely honest, but it doesn't sound like you're avoiding it. I am shocked that it took you two years to open up to your therapist about it in private. And then now obviously be where you are candidly, which first of all, Lauren, thank you. I've had done so many interviews. I've never had anyone speak so candidly about being a child of divorce because it is really, really, really hard. And I think a lot of society does view it as like, boohoo, like whatever, like you're privileged in all these other ways. No one cares that your parents split up. So thanks for talking about this. And does it make you even angrier? Like being an adult and being like, this is how they were thinking, feeling the age they were like, how could they do this thing? Oh, a hundred percent. I think that like, that's what I started to struggle with. And that's why I think it did start coming up in therapy is like being in a relationship myself, like a serious adult relationship. And then not that I'm in one right now, but at the time, and then like seeing, like I said, people around me getting married, I was just like, what the fuck? I don't know if I can swear on this, but I was just like, I was like, what the actual fuck? I was like, that is like, I don't understand that at all. And like, of course, like Father's Day hits different because I'm just like, I don't, really go on the internet that day just not because I'm like crying or whatever I'm just and like that's me still being you know like dumbing myself down but anyway yeah I think that it hits you different and when I was younger I think I was angry in very different ways in a sense of like I didn't want to go to therapy I didn't want to talk about it and it just like manifested differently to a point where like I didn't think that's what I was angry about but like now as an adult being angry again I realize that I was probably angry at the, and I mean, I know I was angry as a child because immediately I wanted like nothing to do with the situation. I didn't want any part of visitation. I would be kicking and screaming. I would not leave. And I think to your point, hundred percent, like, I think even just being like a white, young, successful woman, of course, the last thing I'm going to do is be like, I'm a child of divorce and I suffer from depression and anxiety, boo-hoo me, because I've become so strong from all those things that at least now I can be like compassionate towards them. Whereas before it was like, grow up, get over it, keep going. You're fine. Today's episode is sponsored by my favorite green juice. And also I know green juice, it can throw you off, but This green juice, it's not like other green juices. (laughs) Seriously. This is Athletic Greens, otherwise known as AG1. And in one tasty scoop of AG1 mixed with water in the morning, you are getting 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food source ingredients, including a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic green superfood blend, and more in one convenient daily serving. And look, Athletic Greens is different because they are simply wanting to add to people's lives by helping to give them the nutrients that are so important. Athletic Greens is for anyone in any body. It's not to change your body. It's not to lose weight. It's not to guilt trip you. It's literally just making access and the ability to incorporate healthy ingredients into your life super easy and super seamless. As someone who doesn't like to count every macro and think about all the different things I'm eating every day, when I take athletic greens, I just know I can check this big box of I got a lot of things that are really important for my body. 
And that makes me feel really, really good. Not to mention, it also makes me feel energized. It helps with gut health and digestion and overall supports a very healthy immune system. Athletic Greens effectively replaces multiple products and pills with just one healthy, delicious drink. Max and I have it every single morning. And if you want to hop on the train, head over to athleticgreens.com slash realpod. Once again, that's athleticgreens.com slash realpod, also linked in the description, where you can receive a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Once again, that's a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase when you go to athleticgreens.com slash realpod. You mentioned the term daddy issues, which I was actually going to ask you about how you feel about that term. I mean, I think that it's become something that like maybe it's not. Like it definitely doesn't bother me. And at least it's like, I'm someone who I in the first person to make fun of myself and just like in any situation where I'm like uncomfortable or anything. So if anything, it's like helped me be able to be like, oh, you know, it's like my daddy issues instead of saying, oh, it's like my suppressed trauma. Right? <laughs> instead of really so, just opening yeah. the can of worms in a random conversation. But there's definitely some people that use it. And I'm like, bitch, your dad literally texts you every morning. Like you don't have daddy issues. Like right. That's true. That's true. When people desensitize that, I find that with terms like OCD, when people try to say they're really clean, you don't have OCD and you just can't say that. And also with anxiety when people, oh, with the word panic attack, oh my God, I'm literally having a panic attack. No, you're not. Like they're just out of diet coke. Even just like, oh my God, I'm like so depressed because of this or whatever. And I think that, you know, like, of course, like I love comedy and I love the internet and all that stuff. But for some reason, I'm just like, don't, like then take away from like the people like I think it's like so annoying like I even had a conversation with a friend like literally three weeks ago I was like with I'm in a group of friends and with a couple of them I was telling them like how like I genuinely was feeling and I just felt like it was just like oh yeah but like you know we all feel depressed sometimes and I was like with my other friends and I was just like there was like this moment where I'm like really trying to lean on you and tell you that like I'm depressed and it's like oh and I'm like that's you know from seeing all this stuff all the time of like, oh, I'm OCD, I'm anxiety, I'm TikTok, I'm Instagram, and I'm depressed. It's like, no. Right. How do you really communicate to people in your life? This is serious for me. And I'm not just being like a dramatic millennial or Gen Z or, you know, there's so many different labels on everything. So how did you actually communicate to those people? And did you ever find a way to really have them understand? Yeah. You know, I, luckily I am in therapy too, because I think like I'll have these really vulnerable moments with friends, but then it's like, right when I do, it's like, okay, now I have to put it back in the box. Like they know, and like, I'm not going to keep bothering with them with it, you know, like, and that's my, my own thing that I'm working on right now. But I think what I will say too, is I think as someone that does struggle with the actual things, I do get very like cautious and afraid that people who are just sad will then think they're depressed because of like the resources and the things on the internet. Because I've even had people come to me and be like, I gen- like in genuinely like starting therapy, like I think I'm depressed. I think I'm bipolar. I think I'm this. Even having like a psychiatrist after like 30 minutes be like, yeah, like you might be bipolar. And I'm like, dude, like, no, like I know you, I'm with you every single day. I'm not trying to diminish your feelings, but like, let's do X, Y, and Z first before you 
all of a sudden like throw in the towel because you are depressed. So I do see both sides of it in a sense of like, I don't want to like oversensitize things where it's like, oh, if you're sad, we have to like coddle you type of thing. Like I still have that part of myself. But at the same time, like I think being very vulnerable and learning how to be there for people is important. And like, even with that one friend, I think that I just continued to be honest. I didn't ever like say it made me feel a certain way. I never like brought it back up. And it was just because I think it was like too close. You know what I mean? In a sense of like, oh, like I'm seeing you two days later and like, she's going to ask me how I'm doing again because she is a good friend and just like really communicating like, no, like, like I am depressed. Like you asked me two weeks ago and it's two weeks later and I'm still saying the same thing. Like it's not just another one of those days. So it's not definitely a perfect solution, but at least it was kind of like sticking to my guns of like, I'm not going to let you take away how I'm really feeling. And what's tough about that is feeling the need to list all these things to prove 100%. how sad you are, how anxious you are. Dude, yes. It's I weird, literally right? felt like that in the moment. Like I remember like the second time she asked me how I was doing, I, I like literally can visualize it right now being like, I need to explain this, this, and this so that it's like you understand like how I actually feel like throughout the entire week. Yeah, 100%. Something else about this is how difficult it is to explain depression to people who have not experienced it before. I mean, I struggled to even like articulate how it felt like for me at that time, you know, it's like, yes, it felt like a thousand invisible pounds on you. It feels like you wake up and have no hope for the day. It feels like you're deep down inside of you, but you can't control any type of way that you're feeling. But even then I'm like, I don't know how to explain it. Do you? I don't. I think that like the only thing I know how to explain is stuff sometimes that even like my therapist tells me or like just right in that moment, because I don't know how to describe to people sometimes like what my anxiety feels like to the point where I'll be talking to my psychiatrist. and He's like, how do you feel? Like, how bad is your anxiety? I'm like, uh, like, I don't know how to describe, like, cause sometimes I just don't like what, like what you even said about like thousand pound weight and stuff like that. And like, yeah, no, of course. <laughs> okay, good. So you're like, sure. that actually does, that does. I'm like, sense. no, yeah, a hundred percent. Like I definitely know like certain things, but it's also like when you're having a panic attack or something like that, like in the moment, you're not like so aware of what's going on. Cause you're just like, so to me, sometimes it feels like I'm like in an alternate universe. So sometimes I can look back and pinpoint certain things, but I don't remember fully what was happening in the moment because I was like literally in a different, on a different planet, you know? And just to keep venting with you here, like <laughs> the, the weird angle of, well, are the things I'm listing about my depression or my anxiety or my eating disorder severe enough that justify it to be like this thing? You know, I always feel insecure that I never went to a treatment center. Like when people are like, oh, you had an eating disorder. And I'm like, yes. And they're like, well, did you need to go to treatment? And I'm like, no. And so then they're like, mm, okay, well, was it needing to, you know, it's very weird. Yes. All the different criterias or standards we have to kind of justify or validate someone's mental health. But then when we don't have the criteria, it goes back to the issue you said of people feeling sad, but saying they're depressed. So it's like, how are we actually ever going to understand what someone's going through? That's such a good point because it's like, 
of course we need some of the criteria, but then you could be one of those people like me where I look at the criteria and I can convince myself that I do feel those things because I, I, I feel like I need to fit the criteria or something like that with something that I don't struggle with per se. You know what I mean? Like if I looked at maybe a different mental health issue that wasn't anxiety or depression, I could be like, well, I've, I have felt that before. So that's what kind of like worries me with that stuff. And I think obviously that's why we have like doctors and like second opinions and therapists and professionals. And I think that, you know, I think it really comes down to like parents and professionals because kids just have like so much information. And I say kids like for anything, like literally under 30, because let's be honest in your twenties, like you're still calling your mom. I call my mom every single morning and be like, mom, what should I do? I, I called her cause I like cut my finger with a knife the other day on accident. I was cutting a grapefruit and I was like, do I need stitches? Do I not? She was like, well, I don't know. I'm not there. I'm like, you need to tell me if I need to go to the urgent care. I got upset with her because she wouldn't come with me. I'm 27. But anyway, <laughs> I think that, you know, I think that it's such a personal thing in a sense of like, at the end of the day, if you're just not feeling okay and you're feeling signs of depression or you're feeling like you have some type of eating disorder, like, what's wrong with just like getting help? Like, why do you have to be like, I always say someone might be drowning in 150 foot feet water and you're drowning in 20 feet. You're still both fucking drowning just because you're drowning farther, like farther underneath doesn't mean that like, I'm not also drowning. Like, why can't we both be saved? And so I think that that's one of those things where you say like the treatment center, it's like, you are still struggling. Like why why don't you identify with that as a part of your story and why can't you get help? And so I think that like getting help is a good thing. It's just not like glamorizing the experience of having anxiety and wanting to be depressed instead of getting help. I think that's the bad thing. Definitely not thinking you need to be at your rock bottom to seek help, but you can go in in a perfectly good place actually just to like check on everything. I really feel like it's so important to just have some self-awareness, have some conversations with yourself, whether it's with friends or it's with a therapist or it's with a family member and just like, how am I? And and what what's going on? Because then maybe you can prevent getting to that place. Now, when we first started talking, you mentioned feeling like you were in a depression cycle right now. What is your depression? Is it episodic? Is it um, chronic? Is it something you've always dealt with? And are you able to sense when it's coming? I think that now it's, it used to be chronic. And I think that now with like the amount of work I've done in therapy and being on medication, I think now it can, it has become able to be so manageable that it's situational. So if like something can trigger it and what used to happen even just a few years ago is because I've had it, you know, since I was probably like 13 and I'm, like I said, 27 now. And when I really started getting help, like five years ago, it would be, you know, a depressive state would last a few weeks and then I would come out of it and then something would happen. I would go back into it for a few weeks. And the more like work I did on myself with the help of the professionals, and obviously being vulnerable and like so many other things, I've like been able to shorten down that time to like, I'm depressed for a week, a few days. And I don't say that in a sense of like really, really sad. I say like, I'm in like a black hole. Like I don't come out of it every, like, you know, just all the classic signs of depression that could last months, years for some people, which they have for me. And so I think as someone that 
has it less frequently now knowing what it is. It's just, it's fucking terrifying being back in it because you know what it's like to not be in it anymore. And you also know what it is like in it. So when it starts, I forget that I can get like, that I have the tools and I have the resources to get myself out of it in a more timely manner, to be quite honest. And so it's, you know, terrifying when it starts again. And I think that it just depends what's going on in my life. It could be, you know, not a lot of things, let's say for six months, but like, I'll still have waves of it, but then you know, I've had a really, really hard two years. And so it has been more frequent, but I do have so many tools now that it's just up in the air, you know? Yeah. And the irony of depression, making you lazy and unmotivated and not want to do anything and the tools requiring energy and effort and like diligence, right? So it's just, it's wild to think about that currently feeling this way why are you here? Why are you doing this interview? Why did you interview me earlier today? Like, how are you doing (laughs) your life? I mean, genuinely for people who are listening, who are depressed and have freaking school to go to or work tomorrow or kids to take care of, like, how are you here? That's a great question that I've actually never been asked for. When I felt this way a year ago, I took my first break from social media ever in a decade because I've been online since 2011. And it was because I wasn't taking care of myself. And I was also like really underweight because my anxiety was really bad. I lost way too much weight from my body type. Like I can't afford to lose that much to the point where, you know, my family was really worried about me and I was just kind of in that hole for too long. And so I took a break from social media and I needed it more than I realized, but you know, social media is our jobs. And so when I say took a break from social media, I say took a break from work. Um, And that lasted like a month really off social media and off of work. I canceled everything like podcasts, brand deals, everything like that. And then I like slowly got back into it. But even besides that month, like I was so depressed and like in such a dark place that things were already kind of like suffering career wise. And so when I started feeling like this again, I was just like, I can't let everything fall apart again. Like I did that a year ago and I need to keep putting one foot in front of the other and not every day is going to be great. I've had to cancel. I'm pretty sure I canceled our podcast like two weeks ago when we were supposed to do it. I'm pretty sure you were supposed to be on my podcast before today. And I was laying in bed and I texted my producer. I said, move it. So, you know, it's definitely like, every day is different. And I just try my best because I don't want everything to fall apart again. Things fell apart in different ways when I was younger and I've let my career fall apart before. And this time I'm like, I don't want to let it have that power over me because like, this is one of the good things in my life. So why as much as I want to be in bed, like this, it's hard, but afterwards I'm like, Oh, I'm so glad I did that. Like, I'm so proud of myself. I'm interested here because you said you took time off, was it a year ago from Mm -hmm. content creation and everything? And then career started to fall apart. Was that because so much of our career is constantly posting and quantity and growing? Like, did you get more anxiety because you couldn't do those things? Yeah. I just feel like your platforms are so insanely large that for you to take six to eight weeks off, it's fine when you come back. I, you know, it's interesting. I don't think it was just that month in general, but I think also it was probably like a few months around that time. And my community was so understanding at the time. 
And it was so hard to like fully step away because a, it's like an addictive platform. Like it's muscle memory to open up Instagram, but it, yeah, I think that it was, it definitely stopped the growth for a minute. Like, I don't think people realize like how quickly you could be irrelevant if you're not like consistent enough. That doesn't mean you have to be doing the exact same thing at the exact same time on the exact same platform every single day. But like you definitely, I started losing like a lot of followers and fast too. And so I think the scariest thing was like coming back and then posting like differently to cater to my mental health and just like consistently losing followers. It took me like, I don't know, like eight, nine months to like stop having anxiety every time I would lose like a thousand followers. And it's just been, you know, we talked about this on my podcast. It's like, it's been this thing where I realized like, I don't, I I don't want the people that don't want to be here, here. I've also been online for so long. Like it's going to weed out eventually. I think a decade's probably a good place to weed people out that just don't want to follow my content anymore. But I think it was just more like anxiety inducing more than anything, because it was like, as much as I was depressed, like I still wanted to be successful, but like, I just couldn't do my job. And then like seeing followers go away and then coming back and not getting as much likes then it was like, why am I even posting? I mean, if you look at my Instagram for the past year, I barely post static Instagram posts ever because like I still to this day, I'm like, they're not going to do well and I'll probably lose followers. So why do I even post? I just post on stories because it's like partly is like, I'm literally just afraid and I hate taking static Instagram posts, but yeah. Damn, this is so wild to unpack because I guess part of it is true, right? Like, if I don't post for three days, I get anxiety about my feed. Like, have I actually, to honor what we talked about earlier, I get anxious about not having posted anything. And then I overthink more and more. It's been five days. It's been a week. They're expecting something great from me. It's so interesting. And I'm so sorry that you wanted to take this break for yourself. And then coming back, you were met with such a different environment that almost is like causing more stress on the back end. Yeah. It's interesting because I think, you know, obviously like when I think about the month break that I took, like I can't really pinpoint on like the career side, what was going on. But if I look back at the past year, it's been like the most inconsistent year of content of my entire career. And it's been like literally the most anxiety inducing one because it's just the numbers are constantly fluctuating. I mean, the one thing like my podcast keeps me sane because I think like, luckily it's just, you know, this like new platform that really connects with people that I think can like has consistently been growing. Whereas like everything else is just the stuff that's been here longer is just so all over the place. And it's just like, I can't look at anything. Like I just can't because like, I'll like want to, you know, I'll get nauseous and all that stuff. So I, I hate switching back and forth between Instagram accounts. You know how you just like see, you could go to your profile and then you can switch. I literally like look up at the ceiling as I'm switching. And I just started like accepting it. At switching least I go, oh, from- there was another thousand from my podcast account. And then I run a charity account and then I run my regular account. And so whenever I had to go post on something else, I'm like, like looking around, like trying not to like notice that I've lost a thousand followers, but it's weird. And honestly, for anyone listening, who's thinking like, oh, like you have like almost a million followers, like who cares to lose it? Like just to explain for people who don't do this full time, imagine if every day you opened your phone, you saw that thousands of people 
were literally unfollowing you. And like, think about how much it hurts when someone, you know, unfollows you that you haven't seen from high school in five years, but multiply that by 5,000 people. I also say too, like, imagine going into work every day and like getting all this positive feedback from your boss and getting opportunities and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden, like, not getting that anymore. No one wanting to work with you. Like, you know what I mean? Like put into perspective of your career. Cause like, it might sound like followers and stupid, but like, that's my livelihood. So it's less about like the popularity and it's more so about what am I doing wrong as a businesswoman, as a creative, as all that stuff. You know what I mean? If that makes sense. Spring break is right around the corner, which means wardrobe changes and outfit changes. And Macy's has all the looks to keep you feeling and looking fabulous this season. As you probably know on my Instagram, I've started a new series called hashtag VixFits, where not only am I trying to arrange my outfits, but I'm also sometimes having actual fits because it can be so hard to put an outfit together. You just need to have this eye for like the colors and the textures and the layering and the weight and the balance. And it's a lot. So if you're looking to upgrade your style and also get style help before spring comes around and you get those spring breaks outfit organized, Macy's has you covered. They have must have items from top designers that you'll want to wear while basking in the sun, especially if you're looking for an easy way to step up any travel look, like making a statement with a bold dress or finding the perfect pair of shorts. Macy's is the place for you. And if you're going on any trips this spring break, they have bathing suits, sandals, beach towels, and even sunscreen. I love that. They're not only giving you cute outfits, but they're also giving you protection. No matter what you're throwing into your beach bag, you can get all of those vacation necessities at Macy's. Order online or pick it up in-store or curbside or get same-day delivery powered by DoorDash. That's amazing. Head over to Macy's.com today. Once again, that's Macy's.com. You can order online, pick up in store or curbside or get same day delivery powered by DoorDash. Head over to Macy's.com today for all your spring fashion finds. Once again, Macy's.com. Throughout today's episode, Lauren and I are talking about therapy and how seeking help and talking to someone really changed our lives, honestly. And I'm thrilled that today's sponsor, BetterHelp, is making access to therapy easier and more affordable for everyone. If you go to betterhelp.com slash realpod, they will assess your needs, whether it's anxiety, depression, relationships, trauma, right? We talk a lot in this episode about childhood trauma, grief, or family conflicts. And then they will match you with your own licensed professional therapist who you can start communicating with in under 48 hours. That part is key because when I want to talk to someone, I like need to talk to them now. So the fact that you could get connected to someone in under 48 hours is amazing and not something that happens often with in-person therapy. You can also message your counselor anytime and get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions all without having to sit in a waiting room. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. BetterHelp is more convenient and affordable than in-person therapy and financial aid is available, making it even more affordable. In fact, BetterHelp has become so popular that they are now recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. So if you are interested and you want 10% off your first month as a RealPod listener, you can visit our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash RealPod. Once again, that's betterhelp.com slash RealPod to join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash RealPod. 
This next thing I'm about to say, I don't say it to make you feel bad. I say it because I want to talk to you about the standards that we put on ourselves to be successful and what success means. Because if we plucked a random aspiring creator off the street and we gave them your Instagram account with 900,000 followers and tens of thousands of likes on posts, like they would be celebrating with dinner. Like I have all this opportunity, all like all these people follow me, but for you in your mind, you've been doing this for 10 years, your metric of what success is and where you should quote unquote should be as different. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on that general conversation of like, what does success mean? And are we ever actually going to feel that way? I totally, I think that I have actually been the biggest believer for years before this was even happening, that it's all about community and engagement before numbers. Because I would always say, you know, like my businesswoman pitch was like, I could sell X amount of this, but a girl with 30 million followers that has all these guys following her because they want to like, look at her flat tummy. She can't sell anything. So what's more valuable? You know what I mean? Like that kind of little engagement community, all that stuff. And So that's why I think it's interesting is it is probably more of like an ego and success thing, because like, I actually genuinely care more about like engagement and just being successful in a sense of like being able to keep doing what I love, not in a sense of like, oh, I see it as having 5 million followers and constantly growing. I think the thing that's different is like when you're constantly losing followers, then it's just like you feel like you're doing something wrong. But I was that person where when I moved to Los Angeles, when I was 19, I literally every time I accomplished something, it was onto the next thing. Then it was the next thing. Then there was, and I'm talking like I was constantly sick. I was on antibiotics and steroids at least once a month. Like I was completely burnt out for years and years. And I don't think I was ever proud of myself. I like never celebrated like anything. It was just next, 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 next. So I know that I have a problem with how I view success. And I think that this has, if anything, helped me even more realize that in the past year, especially is like, because people always would say like, what's next? What's next? And it was also such like an LA thing. And I don't know if you know, but I like took a break from LA. Like I left Los Angeles and I've been in Chicago since like May. Why did you leave LA? I like had to get out because it was, I was underweight and it was really hard for me to understand why my body looked badly because in my mind, I was seeing myself every day and like, I, I didn't realize how underweight I was. And I also like looked like a lot of my friends. And so why was I gaining weight when they like had the same body? Like, shouldn't, isn't this like a good thing? You know, I was like, wait, like now I look like some of my model friends. Because you were anxious, you were losing your appetite and that's why you were underweight. Yeah. So I went through a really bad breakup and I just like, wasn't eating the same way for like month, like a few months after. And like I said, I'm like a very small person. Like if you saw me in real life, you'd be like, you lost 15 pounds. Like where, from where, like it was bad. And I remember putting on a pair of jeans and then like n- literally almost falling off my body. And I was like, oh, oh, but then it's like, I'm surrounded by all these people in LA that are really, really, really thin. 
And right, you I, might be getting a compliment on that. And little do they know, like this is hundred percent healthy, which speaks to the unsolicited comments about people's body. People are like, why can't I compliment someone on their body, Vic? And I'm like, because you don't even know how they're attaining said body. So let's not encourage behavior we don't have the understanding of, you know? Yeah, a hundred percent. Like also, you know, like growing up, like because I'm a little bit older than you, like there was like a big like point where before Instagram, when it was just like those supermodels you saw, like there was no Instagram and it was just, you know, it'd be like a compliment to like, look like you haven't been eating and just in general, like that's what you wanted to look like. So yeah, I just like, I had to get out of like the environment and be closer to family and friends, honestly, like that's pretty much what it was. It wasn't as much like against LA. It was against what I was looking at in LA and what I was looking at at home and just like choosing home for a minute. Can I ask about LA? Did you ever have also an element of your social life that was toxic? I have no knowledge of if this is true for you or not. I just sense my own self being like, I have to be friends with these creators. I have to get invited to this. They have to like me. It's such a weird like side of this life out here of like, how do I infiltrate friend groups and get in these TikToks with people? And then it's so social climby and it's just so weird and so not me. And I'm like, why do I feel the need to be friends with these people who, who are not even nice? (laughs) Very true. I think that I have like a zero tolerance, like social climbing, all of that stuff policy. And I don't know if it's growing up in Midwest, people always would ask me like, cause even when I would come home before people would be like, you're like literally the same. I don't get it. Like how has LA not changed you besides like your hair being blonder or whatever. And I just like, I, I couldn't do it. Like I, I remember like going to some parties when I was like 19, 20 and like, not saying I didn't have a social life at all, but I was really, really focused on work and I could read right through someone. I had zero interest in social status. Like, of course there were times when I was young and I was fangirling over Harry Styles, but I was never trying to like use him to social climb. I was trying to get a selfie. Like I just, I was always I couldn't, I would rather have a small group of friends that is a group of good people. And it's not to say like, I'm not interested in making new friends. I would just be able to figure it out right away and then not hang out with them anymore. Like I, people were going to clubs and like doing all this ratchet shit when I was like 22 years old. And I was like, I just, I don't want any part of that. Like I, I just always chose other people. And I think that that's kind of, I don't know why, but I think I also just have too much social anxiety that people don't realize to even like try to social climb. So I just like, I couldn't do it. I really, really needed to hear that. Just the, the sentence, like a zero tolerance policy for social climbing. I needed I think to hear that. it's the grossest and- thing on the planet. Like I literally think it's the grossest quality to have. And there's so many bad qualities out there, but like if you choose someone more famous than me to hang out with because of that, I literally never want to speak to you again. And I'm telling you, there are multiple people that come to mind that I will refuse to speak to. I so freaking <laughs> feel that. Okay. I want to like keep going in this because I need help. And I also want to clarify because I don't want people listening to this thinking that I'm a social climber. Basically what happened is this. I've been no. living in LA for a while since I went to USC. I graduated in 2019. It's 2022. I've been here for a few years. I've never thought to, to do that at all. I had a friend recently say, 
Vic, you literally live in LA. Like, why aren't you at this party? Like, you should be here. You should be there. And like, I was, I was just thinking, oh my gosh, you're right. You're right. These people live 10 minutes away. I mean, we follow each other. Like we should, I should get this going. I mean, I, I'm thinking, yeah, from a part of, could this benefit growth, the brand, like being at these things, I too would never, ever leave normal friends or like OG friends for something cooler. Like that's never something I would ever, ever do. But on a random Friday, if I don't have a lot of friends here, like I guess I was justifying in my mind, I should try to infiltrate these, these groups or whatnot. But it's just, it doesn't feel good to be trying to be friends with people who don't reciprocate. I mean, even in a high Mm. school or like a work setting, if you're going out of your way to get these people to like you and accept you and they don't at some point, it's like, then you don't even deserve the chance to be friends with. I'm really fucking cool. So if you don't be friends with me, then like whatever you're lost, you know? So I think I needed to hear that. And then also when you say you would never talk to that person again, Okay. So I have come across people. I know people. They're so nice. We got to get drinks X, Y, Z. I went out of my way to text this big creator, you know, saw you're in town. Let's hang out. Like would love to, if you're free, no worries. If you're super busy, I totally get it. This person responds something like waiting to hear back on something for Friday. That's the text. Like not even a, I'll let you, nothing, nothing. And then of course is doing all these things at these public bars. I'm like, you couldn't have just texted me, want to stop by, but I'm not cutthroat enough as you to be like, you're dead to me. I'm still like, I don't want to burn bridges. Like I also try to have this element of how sad is it that this person is having that toxic trait? Like it's sad. And you know, so I, I struggle to be like, you're, I'm more of a proceed with caution. Totally. And I think that that's how I am with most people that I've met over my years in LA. I think that there's just like a line for me personally, where I'm just like, where I like see it clearly. And I'm, I'm that person though, that will like call it out to the entire friend group and be like, this is happening. And you will realize it in two to three months. And you will say, we should have listened to Lauren. And it's like that constant thing where I would be like, I literally said this three months ago. And there's a lot of people in just general to proceed with caution. I think there's also a big difference between like networking and making new friends and social climbing. Like they're totally different. You know, I would, I would never, I think I'm also someone that is just so like, I would never want someone to think that I was reaching out to them just because of their following, you know, like I just, I, I only reach out to someone because I really want to be friends with them. But then of course there's like some events and then there's some collaborations and there's some stuff that's like good for business. And like, also, I think it's great if you click afterwards, that's great. Like become friends. Like I love, how do you think I made all my friends in LA? Like literally through work and like networking and collaborating and stuff. But there's just like a line, I think, where it gets like a little icky and a little like desperate and a little try hard and a little fake. And that's when I'm just like, eh, no, like I'm okay. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's just, it's really, all of it is proceed with caution. And LA is a hard place to do it because you're all working in the same thing. It's like, in what city is everything so freaking involved? Like it is just so involved. It's crazy. Everything overlaps. So it's tricky. It really is tricky, but I think that you're right. Anyone that doesn't want to hang out with you is like, they have no idea what they're missing out on. Like what? Because they have like something cooler to do. I'd literally like, I also don't go to events at all. Like it's my, 
I have like too much anxiety <laughs> to go to events. I'm still not there because this is the year in my career where I'm starting to get invited to things. So I've never had the experience before. So I'm not I have imposter over syndrome at them. I can't do it. See, I don't because I'm like, I know how sure of myself I am. I know how genuine I am that I, I just don't, I don't know. I don't feel that way. Cause I do think a big part of me does teeter on that. Like I'm very specific with friends and standards and, you know, so I think I, I think that's why maybe I don't get the imposter syndrome, but I totally hear you. I feel like a lot of people would at those events where everyone's everyone and then no one's talking to each other. And I don't know, I haven't been, I'm going Thursday, so I'll keep everyone posted. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. So you moved, you took yourself out of the environment. What has it been like to make those decisions where you took that break from work or you moved from LA? Like it's tough to uproot yourself or make decisions in your life that are significant and maybe not to plan. And actually a lot of people on my Instagram today were sending in questions that were like, I think I need to transfer colleges. I think I need to take a break from my sport. I think I need to switch jobs. What got you over the hump to be brave? Yeah. I mean, it's really, really scary. I think that unfortunately it's so much easier to stay in a bad situation And I think that there's this part of me that really reflects in my career is like, I'm very go, go, go. And I'm very fearless in like certain things. And I think it does transfer over to my personal life in some senses, not as much like relationally and like relationships and stuff, but in like environment and stuff where I'm kind of like, if I've been thinking about something for like a little, quite a bit of time at, if I was like, if you're my friend, I'm telling you like, stop texting me about this every week. You've been texting me about this every week for three months. Like you're either going to do it or you're not like, you know what I mean? And I think that that's the tough love that like my mom gave me in a sense of, you know, I'll coddle you and I'll be your nicest friend and your most supportive friend. But at at the end of the day, like I'm going to rip the bandaid off for you because like you got to go for it. So I think that I just knew that I was unhappy and I wanted to try, but I think it's really scary in a sense of, I was constantly trying to figure out if I made the right decision. And I think what I learned is there is no right decision. There's just a decision and you learn something from it. You like it. You don't like it. It works. It doesn't work. And you make another decision. And so I think that that's something that we all forget, especially with social media, because I have to say, oh, I'm moving to Chicago. I have it all figured out. Like now I love, now I hate LA and I love Chicago and da, 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 da. And you know, it's, it's just not true. Like I am coming back to LA. Like I'm literally coming back at like the end of the summer. Like it's, you don't have to like, not everything has to be so perfect and like turn out exactly how you planned it, have this like beautiful purpose and alignment and everything. Like sometimes it just can be a growing experience and an experience. Maybe you didn't even grow. Maybe you had fun. Like (laughs) I've had so much fun and that's enough for me to be like, yeah, I moved to Chicago. Love it. And I love the maybe you didn't even grow. It's true. Sometimes we're literally just trying our best to get through it. And it doesn't have to have like a higher purpose or a meaning. And I think there can be fear in those thoughts of, okay, well, what if I don't understand what the the meaning is or X, Y, Z, but there's also a lot of freedom in knowing that maybe it's just life and it doesn't really matter. I think like that's yeah. something that comforted me a ton is like, we're all just dust, you know, <laughs> <laughs> we're all just dust. I mean, I, I love finding purpose in things and I love, 
having like a bigger purpose and like, I'm really strong in my faith and I'm really strong in everything that I do, like in my decisions. But I think I just got to this point where I was like, they don't all have to be like these amazing, perfect decisions. Mm -hmm. So I love that. Usually I have this like moment off air when we stop the recording, but I just want everyone to hear how, how much I think like you're just such a badass. Like, I just think you're so awesome. I don't like come into interviews with like expectations, but I just really loved our conversation. I think you're so cool. If you lived in LA, I would for sure want to like get lunch and be your friend, not in a social climbing way. You'll be stuck with me soon. Like right when you said, well, like I want to make more friends in LA. I'm just like, what does, what's the date again? Okay. Well, you have a few months till I start stalking you. So that's good. <laughs> I'm so excited. No, but you just, you just like, you're just good people. Thank um, you. so thanks Lauren. And, and for you were intimidated or nervous. You were amazing. Like you've given me so you've given us so much in this interview. So thanks for sharing. I think this will help a lot of people and yeah, you're awesome. You're incredible. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of RealPod. If this hit home or helped you in some way, send it to a friend, a teammate, roomie, share the love, share the realness. New episodes of RealPod come out every single Wednesday. So make sure you are subscribed to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To leave a rating or review of the show, head to iTunes and let me know what you think. I love hearing from you. Not to mention, you can stay connected with RealPod throughout the week, seeing behind the scenes info and sneak previews of upcoming guests by following the at RealPod account on Instagram. All information about today's show and guests will be linked in the description of this episode. Thanks again for listening. I love you guys so, so much. Let's go dominate the day. And as always, keep it real.